1: Hey, everyone. I'm Sarah Nay, and I'm joining Karin today on the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. A quick introduction on myself. I work for a company called Duct Tape Marketing, and I'm the COO at Duct Tape Marketing. I started as an intern 12 years ago, worked my way up and have just learned and evolved and grown so much since then. So I'm absolutely, I love the work that we do. I'm passionate. I'm learning every single day. And so I'm I'm excited to share some of our core ideas with you all today. But essentially we are a marketing agency and we, one of our core purposes is we help people do less but do it brilliantly. And so one of the common things and issues in marketing today is, you know, people are chasing tactics they are spread too thin. They don't understand metrics. They don't understand the purpose of their why behind why they're doing the things they're doing. And so we help them simplify and focus on the things that are most important. So.
0: Oh, that's so, oh my gosh, we have so many things to talk about. I feel like just in the few minutes we were talking before we started recording, there was so many different angles that we could take and so many topics. So broadly, we're going to the question we're going to talk about today is, why is marketing strategy so important? But there are so many different things that you were just mentioning in your intro. I want to hear more about duct tape marketing. Did it all start with the book, the duct tape marketing book? That's where it really launched. Ages ago. Yeah, yeah. forever okay. ago now.
1: That's where it really launched. And that was the first look at how we approach marketing in a systematic way. And so John, our founder, wrote the book because he identified back then that the issue with small businesses, because that's our mainly who we work with, is they didn't really understand marketing, what marketing was or how to, pr- how to purchase it ultimately. And so we developed a marketing system that's very based on strategy, no matter what. And then going into implementation based on, you know, what, You identify as the opportunity and the strategy. And so that was the foundation. And he's recently written an updated version that came out last October. That's our, it's, you know, the core concepts and how they've evolved over the last several years.
0: Oh, that's fascinating because do you know off the top of your head what year the first version was written? I mean, it's got to be at least 10 or 12 years old, right?
1: Yeah, I think it was right around then.
0: And it really, marketing has changed so much. And I just was having this conversation with someone the other day. They were like, well, how long have you been doing this? And I said, I've been doing this since like Napster days. And the idea of marketing and websites was an entirely different thing at that at that point. And so my my job and the kind of work that, that I've done, and I'm sure for you too, has really evolved. Like and initially it was like throw up a brochure, talk about you. It's all about kind of you and what you know, services you provide. And the users and the and the people who are out there have got so much more sophisticated. They just don't go for that anymore.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We actually were at a training in Austin last week. We have a, a group of consultants that are certified in our methodology. And so we were leading a training for them. And one of the sessions that, that John, our founder, did was, you know, what's the opportunity in marketing right now and it, it just touched on like how things are evolving and changes changing and it relates to some of the things you outlined there. So for example, like people are looking for like instant responses from companies. Like if you reach out to someone, they don't get back to you, they're going to go to your competitor. And so finding solutions of how you can automate in a human way, getting back to people the second they reach out within the first minute is really important these days. He talked about how, you know, people are moving from email. Email will always be a piece, but they're moving more to text message marketing and engagement with clients, which I think is huge. And then you mentioned brochures on a website. The last thing he touched on was, you know, a lot of times websites were brochures. They were talking about, you know, the company and that was kind of it. Now people are experiencing websites that are more of a custom experience. And so for example, like we just integrated recently, we have different target markets. We have a pop-up on our website. Are you a marketing consultant? Are you a small business? And then we can customize how they interact with our website based on who they are and what the information they're looking for. And so it's exciting. That's why I love this industry because it's always evolving and changing. And, and so I, like I said earlier, I get to learn something every day pretty much in this role. So
0: I feel like that example is perfect. The way that you were describing that website experience for my next question, because when we think about like w- where those websites were, and and let's be honest, a lot of law firm websites are still there. Like they still kind of show up, and it's just like this picture of a family, and I'm this estate planning firm, and here's my phone number, and it's just so basic and not really non-functional for the user. Versus what you are describing as like you know, I come to your website the first thing you do is kind of ask me who i am so that you can customize that journey so starting with that end in mind let's back up to that initial strategy and like how did you how did you start with a strategy in order to get to that kind of an end result with your website
1: yeah it's a great question you know for us for strategy it always starts with first a total online presence like what are you doing today what does your website look like today what are your social profiles all that you got to get the foundation And then from there, the most important pieces of an initial, I think of strategy as like research and then like execution plan. I kind of think of it as two phases. And so the first couple pieces of strategy for us are developing personas. Like, who are you targeting? What are their pain points? What messages resonate with them? Where are they trying to go? Ultimately, what does success look like to them? And so it's demographic information, but it's all of that other stuff as well that's equally as important, if not more, I think. And so, you know, it's identifying your target markets. Oftentimes people have more than one in most cases. And then from there, it's messaging is kind of the next big step of the research and kind of planning stage of strategy. It's, you know, okay, now that you understand who you're targeting, you have to clearly identify what message resonates with them so they know you understand them and their pain points and where they're trying to go. And so then we take that information when it goes to websites, like that's kind of the first steps of strategy. There's a lot more that goes into it, but it's like that core message should be front and center on the website. It should be the first thing that someone sees when they go to your website, because you have like two seconds to get their attention before they decide to move on to another website that all looks the same.
0: Yeah. So what's the difference? I feel like this is a place where a lot of lawyers, first of all, get confused. Like they don't really understand what a pain point is. They don't understand why they're not talking about themselves. They don't understand like why they're not talking about, like, why can't I just talk about the services I provide? And so when I was getting my MBA, my marketing professor talked about, he never used the word pain points. He talked about unmet needs. Are those similar? Yeah, absolutely. I would say those are similar. And so when you're thinking about pain points, it's
1: like, what do you hear from your clients, your best clients, like what were they struggling with? Or, you know, what do they need that doesn't have hasn't been addressed yet, that you can help solve that you're uniquely set up to solve. And the thing is, when people just talk about themselves, like I've been in business for 25 years, your competitor probably could say that if they've been in business for 25 years, or, you know, we provide good service, or these are our offerings. It's like those aren't unique necessarily, to the business. And so when you do that, oftentimes people compete on things like price. And in most industries, that's not where you want to
0: be. Right. Yeah. The number of websites, law firm websites where I've seen where the the like leading heading area talks about how they're innovative and customer service focused. And we are exponentially or, you know, we are really great at, you know, whatever. And it's all Wee 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 or I yeah. I I and focused on and it's it's really it's oftentimes a long conversation initially with that firm about trying to turn that, that focus and like take the camera and, and put it over on that client. And it's it's painful sometimes. It is.
1: I mean it's it's especially because if they've been doing that for years and years and that's what they know in terms of marketing, it's it's hard to make it less about you as a company and more about the people you're serving. But you know, think about your own experience, if you go to someone's website no matter what industry it is, like you want to know that there's someone you can trust, that you can like, that understands you, and that can solve the problem that you have. And so like that's the story you're trying to
0: tell and not we, we, we. Right. So, okay, so then the the question was to come back to the big question about, you know, why is it so important? So, so what does that, what difference does it make? You know, if, if they have that website and they've, you know, it's been sitting there dust, just collecting dust for the last 10 years, why, what difference does it make if they just kind of leave that there versus start with that strategy and the messaging and refocus on that client?
1: Yeah, I would say if you're just going to sit there and not update your website and not focus on marketing strategy, there's a couple of things. You're not going to stand out from the competition. So you're going to put your website next to your competitors' websites and they're going to look very similar in a lot of cases. We've done that test a number of times over the years. Um, so that's one piece. But then also, you know, without strategy, we've only talked about the first piece of strategy. After that, we get into like customer journey, content calendar, execution calendar, like growth priorities for the next quarter. So that's more of like the planning phase of strategy. If you don't do all of that, you're guessing with your marketing essentially. So you're trying... These different tactics, and you don't know why. You don't know how it all turns like ties together. You heard you should be doing paid advertising. I know for lawyers, it's a, yeah, it's a really competitive space, and so you just try it. But then you don't understand, like okay, so once you do a paid ad, I see this all the time. Like they'll just direct someone to, like their homepage of their website with no clear call to action, and they hope that someone calls them. <laughs> um, and it's like if if you're gonna spend the the money on the awareness phase of the ad, you need to then have the answer to the question of what happens next. So are you sending them to a landing page with a clear call to action where you're giving them value? Are they downloading like an ebook or a PDF or something like that where they can continue their education and then are you email nurturing them to the point where they are ready to call you? Like, do you have those pieces in place and so i think a lot of people thinking about marketing as like awareness awareness yes that's it's a piece and it's an important piece if you're trying to grow but it's also like okay how do you convert those people once you've created the awareness and then you know on the back end of our customer journey it looks at repeat and refer and so then how can you stay in your involved in the people that are already in your world, and how can you continue to nurture them and educate them and provide value? So if they need you again in the future, you're top of mind. And then how are you incentivizing referrals? Because when you get referrals, they move through the whole system a lot faster.
0: Yeah, it. there are so many pieces. And I feel like what you were saying about people just you know kind of being aware of the awareness only you know like they they only pay attention to that very top level idea in marketing and they they don't recognize their following steps and it's it's kind of like taking your kid to school and just dropping them off at an empty building and being like okay i did the first step i i walked you to school <laughs> you know? yeah. like forget whatever comes next you know? yeah <laughs> yeah exactly um, but i think you know i've had i countless people call and and say, basically, I've heard I need SEO, or I've heard I need pay-per-click. Can you basically explain to me how that works? And I don't really know anything about it, but somebody was telling me that I need to look into it. And they've already also got like some kind of price in mind, too. Like they think that that must cost $1,000 a month or something, and you know, they, have, they don't have a full understanding of it, but they've already decided what they think the price is, and there's no plan, there's no execution, and they think, okay, the goal is to rank. And so then my first question is always, okay, so what happens when they land on your site? So you rank, you're number one, but your site is 10 years old, and your competitor has a brand new site. And so I feel like that kind of has some input and influence on you know whether they're gonna actually hire you. Like, there's more to... There's so much more to the whole process than just that initial awareness or SEO or you know that phase of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I hear that all the time. I've been doing our sales for a while, and even worse, sometimes I hear you know we're paying this SEO company $3000 a month and we have no idea what they're doing or what results and they share like they share this complicated report with us and it's foreign language to me because i don't know anything about SEO like i hear that all the time and it just like makes me really sad when i hear those stories because i think there's a better way of doing marketing essentially but you know for us our core concept is the marketing hourglass so it's how can you get people to know like trust try buy repeat and refer you and so as you're identifying like if you're doing SEO and you're number one on certain keywords it's like, okay that's like the no bucket you can check that off and then how are you going to help them like and trust you so what are you going to do on your website are you using video are you telling a story are you featuring success stories like what are you doing to nurture the relationship once they get there to when they're ready to actually schedule a free consultation if that's your try call to action ultimately
0: yeah, yeah, I feel. And it's it's a lot of work. And so I think that's where people are like, well, where's the easy button? Like, why? Where can I just kind of skip ahead? And once again, it always it feels like it comes back to SEO, because I think a lot of people don't totally understand how it works. So it seems like, oh, maybe that's the mysterious golden ticket that, you know, I don't know. So let's try. But there are there are all those extra pieces that you really need to consider as, as part of this entire strategy. So so the different phases of the strategy that you're describing. So there's the awareness. And then what were the other there's four phases, right? So the hourglass I was talking about the no like trust that that whole thing. Or, yeah, I mean, of all of the, the, there was the awareness phase and all of the different phases of the strategy, awareness, and then trying to nurture the relationship. Is that part of, is the hourglass part of that or is that the whole strategy?
1: Yeah. So for the whole strategy, that goes back to like the ideal client and the core message. And then we incorporate the hourglass after that. So it's, you know, who you're targeting with what message, let's map out the stages of no like, trust, try, buy, repeat, refer, and basically all of the things you could be doing in those stages and what your client's expectations are in those stages and recommendations for improvement in those stages. And then once you do that, we then take it and we put it into, okay, let's look at content and marketing collateral that basically needs to be produced based on our biggest priorities. We put all of that into a calendar. We map out an execution calendar. So over the next quarter, These are your biggest growth priorities. These are your biggest kind of ongoing things like blog posts and social and newsletters, like stuff you should consistently be doing. And then that ultimately dictates your marketing for the next quarter. And so we start with the big strategy first. And if you haven't done any of that, this type of work, I definitely recommend taking a step back and doing it. But then once you do kind of the initial big strategy, we typically then advise people just to look at it on a quarterly basis. And so you can go back to the work you've done and you can say, okay, okay, you know, what did my hourglass look like? You know, we identified four to six biggest priorities for this quarter. We did them. What should we be then focusing on next to continue to evolve and grow our marketing? And I like to do it in quarters versus like a year or half a year, because as we talked about earlier, (laughs) marketing continues to evolve and change all of the time. And so I think quarters and paying attention to your metrics and how things are performing is a smarter approach versus like mapping out the full year, things change, maybe you have success in one area, not another, you have to be able to shift based on
0: that. Yeah, we do quarters as well, because I I feel like it's also a long enough time, where if you were to do some, some people I know are looking at their analytics on a weekly basis, which is insane. It's like watching the stock market on an hourly basis. Like, okay, it's bouncing. That's normal. Like, you can't do that. You're gonna go crazy. And I was just talking to someone else about this the other day. I feel like a significant part of marketing is patience and understanding that you have to give it some time to grow. It's like, it is growing like a little, you know, thing. And like so, you have to give it. And so my next question was, you were talking earlier about how your the overall strategy of duct tape is to simplify and to kind of keep things very kind of direct, clear, and simplify. So how does that lead towards more growth?
1: So that goes back to, again, kind of the importance of strategy and what we run into when we start working with people is, as we've alluded to, like, I, need, I hear I need to be doing SEO, or I hear I need to be doing paid ads, or I hear I need to be doing direct mail. It's like, people hear all these things, they see competitors doing it. And so then they just like dive into doing a million things without focus. And so taking the step back and actually mapping out why you're doing these things and how it ties together, it helps you simplify and it helps you do things more effectively than doing too much and being spread too thin.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it also recognizes where like, okay, let's stay focused on this. Our goal this month is or this quarter is not to do all that other stuff. Maybe this quarter we are really not even looking at social media at all because we're, you know, focused on this particular campaign or there, you know, whatever the case might be like. So stop looking over there. (laughs) Like, stop it. It's sort of like I think it's in the movie Up where the dog keeps like, you know, squirrel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Totally. Distraction.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's so common. I feel yeah. like with entrepreneurs and just business owners in general, it's like a shiny object syndrome. I should be doing all these things. Like this sounds interesting. Like, do I need a TikTok? I don't. You know, maybe it depends if your audience is there and what you're selling. Ultimately, so it's very easy to get distracted and down ra- rabbit holes. And so, I think part of, like, that's a huge part of strategy. It's like you create the plan and then you stick to it. Yes. (laughs) Because I've worked with people before that we, Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. we stay patient (laughs) and you pay attention to the metrics. So, you know, if you're identifying at the end of strategy, if you're identifying, like these are the things we're going to work on. So we're going to try to build our email list. For example, we're going to revamp our website to set up to convert it more effectively. Like what are your projects you're going to work on? And then from there, like determine what are the metrics that you're going to track that will help you determine if you're successful with it or not. And so, you know, I think you have to have those identified and in place. And it doesn't have to be this overly complicated thing. I think that's oftentimes it's overwhelming the topic of metrics. But if you can at least identify like one or two key metrics for all of the things that you're putting a lot of your work into anyway, it's just going to help you understand how you should shift and how effective you're being and if things are working and if you should continue doing them ultimately.
0: So speaking of metrics, what are some of the wrong metrics to pay attention to? Because there are so many numbers that you can look at and once again, I feel like this is a place where, for us, we we try to simplify as well. Like, where can you stay clean and simple, and just what are the right numbers versus the wrong numbers to pay attention to? Yeah,
1: I think oh, that actually came up in a conversation I was having with some of our consultants yesterday, and I think it, I think it depends on like again, the client and what your priorities are. And so a lot of times, like when I started working with clients, they're like, we get all this website traffic. Like I started working with an HVAC contractor recently and he got like, he's a local small business and he was getting like 20,000 people to his website from all around the world every month. And he was like, look at all this traffic. And I'm like, yeah, but you have like three conversions out of 20,000 people. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, I think oftentimes people get ramped up and excited about, again, like there's people coming to my website, but it's like none, if you're a local business and none of them are in your city, that traffic doesn't really matter because they're never going to be your clients. And so again, I think it just determines like, what are you doing? But then also like, don't stress too much about the awareness piece. Again, like to me, the most important metric for us and the work we're doing are conversions from your website if we're doing a lot of work. And so it's people actually calling you and scheduling an appointment or filling out a form to schedule a consultation in most cases with our local small businesses. And then, you know, obviously we want to know if those conversions from the website turned into conversions as an actual client from there. And so to me, like it, it's not about just getting more people, more people. It's about getting the right people with a higher level of conversion percentage is really where I spend the most of my time focusing
0: yeah, I was even just thinking like about that HVAC example you were saying, and how that actually could be an indication. I had a client whose site was just hacked, and it was a mess, and uh, it took us days to clean up and whatever. And so that could even be an, a negative indication. Like you're getting a bunch of traffic from Russia, and you don't sell anything in Russia, you don't want to sell anything in Russia. So, do you ever track in a negative way to make sure that you know bad things aren't happening? Yeah, we're we're always
1: trying to pay attention to just seeing, like Google Analytics, where the traffic is coming from and if it's relevant, and making sure all the back links and everything are relevant back to the website. And so that's absolutely an important piece. I think you have to look at when you're looking at the data is like where is the traffic coming from, what's directing it to your website, and is it relevant and all that stuff. So I think it's an important piece to pay attention to for sure.
0: Yeah, because it could be a major. You could be getting hacked or about to have like a you know a DDoS attack or or whatever. It could be a indication that something's going. Real- wrong. <laughs> you maybe need, you know, you get some security problems and Okay, so awesome. So it is time for the book review. So I know you've got a couple cool books to mention. So what are the books that you want to recommend to the audience?
1: Yeah. So earlier I mentioned Ultimate Marketing Engine. And so that's the second book that John, well, not the second book, he's written a number of books, but that's, I would say the updated version of Duct Tape Marketing, his original book. And so it focuses on a lot of like the core strategic concepts that we talked about today in much more detail, but it also has a whole new section in there that's the customer success track. And so it's all about understanding like where your clients or customers are today and where are they trying to go and what success looks like to them and then coming up with solutions to help them get from point A to B and then identifying like what are the stages they're going to go along the way. And so it's really stuff, I think, across a number of different industries.
0: That's fascinating because I feel like I feel like. Even just for different practice areas, for different law firms, that success means so many different things. I mean, you've got criminal defense attorneys, you've got estate planning attorneys, and so it, it is so differently defined. And even, I feel like there was this fascinating example that I had in a really early show where I was talking to this DUI attorney, and he was saying, you know they just solely do DUIs. And so you would assume that you have some understanding of, you know, what the client necessarily wants out of working with that attorney, but he had this client who he'd had a ha- a handful of DUIs and his goal he didn't care about jail time, he didn't care about even getting the DUI off his record, he just didn't want to get divorced because his wife said if you come home with another DUI, we're done. And so Everything that that firm did was different in that case because it was like, okay, what can we do to make your wife happy? <laughs> you know? How yeah. can we? Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, thinking in terms, and first of all, asking, like, you just have to ask a lot of questions and listen. But figuring out what that means for each client is going to be different for every law firm and different f- for every client, really.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And one of our core processes and strategy when you're developing the personas and messaging is we recommend you actually sit down and interview your best clients to understand, you know, why they chose you, what's important to them, what does success look like, you know, all of those things about each of your clients, because you can start incorporating that messaging and language into your marketing, your sales, kind of your serving future clients, all of those things, and so. Absolutely, as you said, like sit down and talk to the people that you're serving and understand them deeply and that's gonna help you be successful in a number of different areas in your business, ultimately.
0: Well, and once you have this understanding That goes straight back to your marketing, too, because now you can tell stories, you can talk about these cases, you can talk about it in the way that speaks to those future clients full circle. Like, you know, I can understand your problem because of, you know, I have this other example where we did something similar and I understood the problem for that client. So what was the other book that you wanted to recommend? I know this one's a cool one.
1: Yeah, this one's actually, it's new. I'm reading it. Well, it's not, I don't know how new the book is, but I'm reading it right now. So it's new to me. And I actually have probably like 20 pages left, (laughs) but it's called, it's good. So hopefully it all comes together in the last 20 pages. (laughs) (laughs) It's called Cultish is the title of the book. And it's by Amanda Montel. And essentially, it's really fascinating um, for me as a marketer, because it's talking about how like, different traditional cults you'd consider a cult uses language, but also she gets into things like Mary Kay, for example, and Soul Cycle. And so she goes across like multi level marketing to I was the gonna fitness ask about multi level marketing. Yeah. Oh. To the fitness industry to your traditional cults that everyone knows about. And so she's comparing how each of these groups use language to help influence people and then also how they use like the us versus them mentality. And so it's just very interesting to learn and see different examples in such different scenarios and just the power of language. So it's it's fascinating.
0: That is so fascinating in terms of like bringing it back to the marketing strategy, because, you know, it's not that we're all trying to develop cults, but you do want people to understand you at a level where they just feel like you are the right answer for them in their gut. And, and cults get that they definitely like if if you were looking at it, like a marketing strategy, they do it really well. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah. That sounds awesome. I will link to that as well. So what's something that everybody gets wrong about marketing strategy? About marketing strategy? I think one of the biggest things
1: is they don't understand the importance of it, honestly. And so they don't take the time to dedicate to it. And then once they, maybe if they've, someone told them they have to, and they dedicate to it, then they stray and they don't stick to it. And so I know that's like three things in one, but that's like the most common things yeah, but I it all see goes around back to it. The,
0: yeah, the importance of it and, you know, making sure that you kind of recognize that it's important and, and give it that respect and then patience and kind of sticking to it and, you know, all those important things, like, like it's a vitamin. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I always tell my clients, you know, when we first start working with them, like, you're going to ultimately end up saving money if you invest in strategy now. Because And you're also going to have a lot more clarity and confidence in doing the right things. And so all of those things together, I think, makes it really powerful because without the strategy, you're just playing the guessing game and you have no idea if things are going to work. So you're throwing money at stuff, hoping something works. And so you're going to end up probably having a lot of misfires before you hit something that really works for you.
0: Right. And wasting lots of money, but also just being super frustrated and confused and living in this sort of foggy area. That's just frustrating. And and I think also going back to where you were saying earlier about getting these clients who get these reports and they don't understand where, you know, what's even happening. They don't even really know how to interpret these reports. All of this goes to this this bad idea that people have about marketing that it's all sort of you know snake oil and they don't really see it but then it's like well but then how does it work for that one guy (laughs) Like, wow, you know so i believe as as well like it all just comes back to that strategy if you don't have the plan if you haven't laid it all out then you're just going to live in that limbo confusing land
1: yeah i agree and a lot of the work we do you know we think of ourselves as like teachers at drug tape marketing and so you know, I'm creating marketing strategies for clients, but I'm teaching them, I'm educating them along the way. And so now this marketing isn't going to be this like foreign complicated thing. Like we're trying to simplify it. And so maybe they continue to work with us or they go and hire other people or they hire a full-time marketer, whatever their future looks like. But I want them to have that education. <laughs> and so this marketing isn't this like complicated, frustrating thing. Like they understand how it all ties together and how you can be effective so they can make smarter decisions, purchasing, marketing, moving forward.
0: I feel like that really ties into the angle that a lot of lawyers take too, as well. Like, hiring a lawyer is confusing and overwhelming, and a lot of our smartest and best clients really want their clients to be educated in a similar way they really want them to understand okay this is what it feels like this is what the process is to work with a lawyer this is what you need to know about your case and in that same way that they're trying to present themselves as a lawyer and be that resource that's the same kind of approach for marketing as well like let's let's all understand it let's you know be clear and uh be educated on it i think that's really cool
1: Yeah, I think it goes back to like, if you're really there to make your clients as successful as possible and what their goal is, like, if education helps, then you're just you're contributing to their success long term. And so it comes back to that.
0: Yeah, and it really elevates your reputation as well, because then you're this resource. You have given them this information. You have been the expert, which is what the angle most lawyers are trying to, to take. I know this stuff. I'm the expert. Let me handle this for you. And yeah, I think that's that's such a great position to, to stand in, to... Provide that information. And the the marketers who are that mystery kind of I picture like the crystal ball where it's all kind of foggy and a mystery and it's like, that is not what you want. You you don't want to feel like, I don't know, I'm spending a bunch of money, I hope it's working. I mean the phone rang. I'm not really sure where that call came from, but you know, I made some money that's that's not where you wanna be. You you should have the numbers, you should know. The, all the marketing money that you're spending and all of the things that you're doing, you should know if it's working.
1: I agree. Couldn't yeah. agree more.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Sarah, what's a, one big takeaway that you'd like people to have from this episode? I know we kind of summarized a lot of things in the last minute or two, but do you have a big, one big takeaway?
1: Yeah, I would say if you're not, you're at this point, you're not ready to do like full-on strategy like we talked about. I would say at least to take a step back from everything you're doing and take the time to learn your client's and then make your marketing about them. If you're going to do one thing today, and that's your one takeaway, that would be where I would start.
0: Yeah, and honestly, we said this earlier in the show too. It's kind of hard for some for some law firms and some attorneys, especially if you've been doing this for a while and it's always been about you. But you know, it can't be more important. Honestly, it has to be about how it has to be about them, but also then how you meet those needs and everything. So it's not it's not never about you. It's just not initially about you.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. It's like we understand you. This is why we're set up to serve you. So exactly. you get to you, but you yeah. don't leave with you.
0: But not number one.
1: Yeah,
0: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, Sarah Nay is the COO at Duct Tape Marketing, which is an amazing classic marketing book. But also we've got the follow up Ultimate Marketing Engine, which sounds amazing. I can't wait to read that one. I'm throwing that on my list later this afternoon. But thank you so much for being here. This was such a quality, awesome, valuable episode. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun talking with you. I bet we could talk for hours. Oh, absolutely. So better cut off. <laughs> yeah, just, just on the books alone. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.